Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter. I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. Some things we want to change from 2020 to 2021, but that's one thing that uh, that we don't want to have changed. Big Kurt is still on Twitter. I am also on Twitter. I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year. Yeah. Thank God. Yes. It's past us. I feel a little bit better. I'm not going to lie. I know it is. I mean, even though nothing's changed, no. it's like a benchmark still. I mean, Something. It, it can't possibly be worse. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, but. speaking of can't possibly be worse. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. Before we get going, um, so we'll just give a little little outline of this podcast. There's going to be a couple uh, housekeeping items that we'll talk about. Uh, then we're going to get into the four games, okay, uh, with obviously the big game being last. That conclusion or that result however you want to do it with that game will fold right into a rant or two that i have planned in my head i've been cleaning this morning you know like like mopping the floors like angrily thinking about okay how i want i don't have an active rant but i've got some things i want to add and i'm sure i'll get a little ranty at times yeah yeah i might scream or something like that but anyways okay let's start with some housekeeping Yeah, just a couple things here, both out of the four-letter network ESPN. Adam Schefter reporting that Northwestern coach Pat Fitzgerald is open to talking to NFL teams. And who was that again? Who reported reported it? it? Schefter, Adam Schefter. I mean, Shifty Schefter, but he's... He's pretty reliable at that stuff, isn't he? He is. Yeah. Just Just a complete quick side note, but... Like, how do they get wind up getting that role? Like, like people trust them with news role. Like, or they trust them to roll out false information too, or any yeah. information they get. Yeah, because uh, you know, a lot of these these agents they plant fake stories out there, and a lot of the agents represent all the same coach, like all Correct. a bunch of coaches, just driving up the market. For Correct their, for their yeah. Uh, Jay Glazer is the other one that blows my mind. But anyways, point being is this is a person that. It's not BS. It's not some <laughs> random college football account on Twitter or something like that. This is a human being with a blue check mark and that probably had some info. We've talked about A.D. Phillips is going to be leaving. We've talked about all the players that they've had, you know, fleeing from the program, which is very unusual. I know it's a different time, especially coming up here shortly. Um, but there's got to be some smoke here. Yeah, I do think there's some smoke. I just don't think it's ever going to ignite into a fire. The only way I could see it happening is if, let's say the Bears lose the Packers Correct. today, Nagy gets fired. I could see him. It's the only team I could see him actually considering coaching. Because what I've read on Twitter from following the Northwestern people that I follow, whatever, um, he does have kids that are coming of age. Right. Um, it's hard for me to believe after all this time. The the job security. Oh my gosh! It's like a Supreme Court justice. <laughs> I I can't imagine that now would be the time that he would say, "Okay, screw it, let's try something different," and then uproot his family. I mean, they're older. They're older kids. They I don't know how old they are. I, I think high school, middle school. Okay. So I think they're old enough where if mom stayed behind, you know, they they could still okay. do it. But I, it, to me, it still does not lend itself. To the thought process, the Pat Fitzgerald would leave Northwestern. And I would say, even if the Bears' job does open up, I still would err towards him staying at Northwestern. But the Bears' job would be the one that would be inter- I think so. Yeah. I I guess 
what I would like to know, I mean, I'll ask you, you're, you're Chicagoland human being mm-hmm. growing up. Um, like when I think of, of the state of Wisconsin, there, there are sports fans across the board. There are guys that are uh, just as big a Badger fans as Packer fans. But then there are a bunch that are way bigger Packer fans and don't really give two bleeps about the Badgers that much. I mean, they just kind sure. of follow them or whatever. And I think some that just mostly care about college sports and not pro, not, not a lot of those in Wisconsin. What I'm getting at is what kind of, what kind of cachet does Fitzgerald have in the Chicagoland area with the general bears professional minded person? Oh, I would say he's got some good cachet. Yes, for sure. I mean, there's just such a long history there, even though, Northwestern doesn't have a huge following even in the Chicago area, which is weird. I mean, it's just mostly Notre Dame. It's mostly Notre Dame, but still the guy's been not only did he win Big Ten championships when he's a player, you know, Rose Bowl. That was a huge thing in 95 when they went to the Rose Bowl and then been at Northwestern for so long and winning for so long. Yeah, he's got cachet. Okay, so as George Costanza would say, he's got cachet up the yin yang, baby. Okay, I I would. Love to see Fitzgerald get hired by the Bears for many reasons. Yes. One of them would just be to see the Bears fans reaction because I got to think a firm one third would call him a bum right from day one. Well, I mean, it's the it's the Bears. Right. So, That's yeah, what I'm kind of getting. at. Yeah. I mean, they probably would say, well, and they wouldn't be necessarily wrong. We don't want some college guy coming and trying to run our, yeah. our pro team. Yeah. I get that. But I think there'd be a good percentage that would be on board with it, too. OK, we will see how this this develops. It's an interesting fan it, base it there. Is, that bears. Yeah. Those bears. All right. So speaking of interviews, NFL interest, <laughs> the quaff Ryan day, apparently according to Schefter, same guy is not interested in the NFL, right? Yeah. So not yeah. a big surprise there. Now here's another one. Bruce <laughs> more, Feldman, more, more coaches, college pro Bruce Feldman up. reporting that university of Michigan and our guy, khaki pants, Jim Harbaugh are working on an extension through 2026. <sighs> I, my thoughts on this have evolved a little bit, to be okay. honest with you. Okay. First of all, have you seen Khaki Pants' recruiting class that he put together? It's not bad. It's better not bad. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty impressive considering what they've been doing the last couple of years. I, I kind of made a joke on, I think it was the previous cast, about, hey, they're not that far away. They just got to fix the offense and the defense. Yeah. But really, if you just hire a good coordinator on both sides, that's what it comes down to right now. And to be honest with you, you could make the argument of just getting rid of Don Brown in and of itself. And getting rid of Gaddis in and yeah. of itself. Yeah. I mean, he made two. I wouldn't say Don Brown was a bad hire because there, there there was a time and place for Don Brown. He had just, you know, he his shelf life had expired in Ann Arbor. Gaddis was a terrible hire. But if he gets two good coordinators, it's not like, I guess the or other in, th- in all honesty, one and a half. What I mean is. A good offensive coordinator and, and a better defensive coordinator than Don Brown. Right. I don't think that's asking too much. No, it's not. So if they do that, it's not like they can't be competitive. They're not going to just start beating Ohio State overnight. But what if they could be the second best team in the East? Because here's the thing. If you're a Michigan fan, it's like, okay, we, we get rid of Harbaugh. Well, then who do we get? And look around. And here's another thing. I'm sure they were, you know, sniffing around for for potential coaches they probably got a couple no's right i would think so i think there's two blue blood programs that have fallen on harder times than they'd like to be that were both turned 
down by right. my coaches. And obviously what I'm getting at is Texas. And that's it doesn't help them that Texas is looking for a, a coach too, right? Well, they're not looking for a coach anymore. I mean, Steve Sar- Sarkeesian is hired. But, but what point, I'm saying is, isn't that a potential candidate? Yeah, right, right. That's a potential. They're, they're fighting so for the same pool. I, I do think they're fighting from the same pool. Sorry, I'd miss your point there. Yes. And then another thing that they maybe have learned, it is, it is my thought process that these higher-up coaches and programs, they know what's going on definitely more than the common fan, even more than a lot of journalists. I think they sure. probably know this stuff. My guess is there's people inside, you know, the coaching world that knew uh, Urban turned down Texas. This is my thought process and that they were angling towards Steve Sarkeesian. I wonder if Michigan knew that and said, if the best coach that Texas can get is Steve Sarkeesian. Right. Screw it. Let's just re up with khaki pants, force him into some lower buyouts, which is what they're they're saying that well, that and force him into coordinator and new coordinator. Yeah. So it's not the worst thing in the world to be honest during the season. I'm like, there's no way you just can't possibly bring him back. But now I, I kind of see it. It's not I don't the craziest know, thing. I don't know if I was ever hardcore in one direction of the other, except for Don Brown. He's awful. He has been awful. I mean, we've said it repeatedly. I don't think there's a, I don't know of anybody that would be listening to this podcast that would disagree with me because Michigan fans get it. Oh yeah. And then non-Michigan fans are like, well, yeah, we, we've seen how bad they are. Yeah. So I, I've I've kind of come for full circle on this one. Okay, I think I'm okay with them renewing khaki pants. Um, and then real quick, I mean, I know it's not Big Ten specific, but Texas getting Steve Sarkeesian. Okay, here's here's my thought process. You want somebody that's going to take you to the top. I mean, it's national championship or bust in Texas. Sure. So he's had stops at Washington and then USC. Okay, Washington. Not so blue bloody USC is. I think his winning percentage is like five seventy yeah. six hundred somewhere right around there. I saw what it was. I can't remember, but it, yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty right. mediocre. Okay, I read it too. The other side of it too that I hear, and and I'm certainly no Texas insider, but the podcasts I listen to, they're more national based, and of course they love their blue blood programs. They sure. know more about a blue blood program than anything. What they always talk about is how Texas is wrapped around the donors and people that give money, yeah. and it's you know big hat wearing Texas and, and everybody thinks they're kind of like basically the AD there. Now you've got a guy coming into that. Okay. And I'm going to get pretty honest here. Mac Brown could get around and he could, he could shucks it up and sure. still have a presence about him. Have a couple cocktails, remember the names, you know, do what you got to do. Texas. Steve Sarkeesian can't drink anymore. That's true. I was going to say it's a wine and cheese crowd, but for him, it's just a cheese crowd. And I just don't know. Because Texas is kind of considered wine and cheese. Amongst, okay. I mean, I I'm sure there's that down home right. demographic too, but it's kind of like the Michigan of, of that. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. He must, I don't know. I hope he really I, likes I, cheese. I just does not. <laughs> this does not look good to me. For And I know Nebraska yeah. fans would hate to hear me say this, but I, I actually – I kind of enjoy Texas being good at, at football. It's one of those. I love the uniforms. I have a lot of good memories of Ricky Williams running the ball. Sure. You know, that was the time frame when I loved watching the running back play more than any position. And I don't know. It's just, I don't it enjoy look good to me. I don't enjoy anybody being good. Okay. So I get it. I understand. <laughs> I understand. Okay. All righty. Um, yeah. Games. 
games, man. Okay. Let's All get right. on to the games. So we got four bowl games. That's right. Only four. Too bad, but that's what we wound up with. First off, which was Wednesday, December 30th, the Duke's Mayo Bowl. And I got to say, the Duke's Mayo commercials, they're working on me, man. I am going to seek, seek out some Duke's mayonnaise and give it a try. Really? Yes. Uh, I think it was Bucky's fifth quarter. Yeah. Uh, they actually did Wisconsin, it. Yeah, the, Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin. Handle. So in the honor of the, the bowl, they did a, a taste test okay. of, of the two male Hillmans. Oh, and, really? And he was like... I gotta tell you, this is it's a it's a little bit tangier. It's it's a you know like got more of a bite to it. So he tried it, just barely tasting okay. it, and then he put it on two turkey wraps, and he was like, "This is a better turkey wrap with Duke's mail." And I'm like, "That's it. I'm I'm finding some Duke's mail sometimes." Okay, I'm I'm, I'm just gonna take your word for it if you like it. <laughs> I, know you I will it. not, but I do enjoy. So this was the Belk Bowl, I believe, right? So now it's the Duke's Mayo Bowl, and I I just love the uh, I don't know the it, it's a fun bowl, right? It, it's the, the the advertiser is always really good and, and fun loving too. Yep. Like they had that that big, they had a big Gatorade uh, cooler. Did you see that of Duke's Mayo? Are you serious? Oh yeah. <laughs> so that okay. What I had heard was it was a joke. Like they're oh, gonna, it was they're, a joke. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I put it out on Twitter and I said the perfect ending of 2020 would be Paul Chris slathered in Duke's, <laughs> oh. Duke's mayo. And I think people honestly thought that that was the case. And I'm like, dude, that's, that's not actually going to happen. Oh, but. mercy. Anyways. Okay. Speaking of the game, Wisconsin 42, Wake Forest 28. This was a line with the Badgers favored by seven and a half and the over under 52 and a half. So Wisconsin easily covered the game, easily went over. What? Total yards. The Badgers with 266 yards of total offense to the Demon Deacons, 518 yards of total offense. What was the big difference in the game? Usually the biggest precursor of who wins the game or not. Turnovers. Badgers only had one. The Demon Deacons not only had four, (laughs) they had two. I know one was returned right to the one-yard line. I mean, basically those turnovers completely set up Wisconsin. To a certain degree, the reason Wisconsin couldn't – put up a big yardage totals they were always working on a short i know field. i mean that definitely had a lot to do that with had it. a lot to do with it but yeah okay what's I up want, I want to build Legos. you want to build legos hey what are, what are kurt and i doing right now what are we doing right now podcast podcast yeah okay i'm gonna i'll come up just real quick okay i'll get you going on legos all right uh, okay we're gonna take a pause here real quick Yeah, so anyways, uh, there just wasn't – there was a lot of opportunities for Wisconsin rack-up yards. Well, so the thing that stands out, obviously, is the yardage totals, right? Um, so I was – that was my thought, too. Well, they had the short field a lot of times, but you have to give weight credit. They came out in the first half and just were matriculating down the field two long drives for touchdowns, and then they did the same thing in the second half. They came out with, on that first drive and had a long one, too. And then not to mention on the interceptions, they were driving the ball and then throwing interceptions. Correct. So that it was real yardage that Wisconsin was giving up. I'll say that. Definitely. Um, and then you look at the rushing totals. They're about the same. Um, 122 to 111. Okay. Now it's the passing yardage that it was obviously way off. 407 to 144. Um, the thing that is most shocking to that is the fact that Wake Forest, which has been a pretty much putrid defense down the stretch 
they did a good job versus the Wisconsin rushing attack. Yeah. Long story short is the Wisconsin offense that was struggling for pretty much all of 2020. It struggled in this bowl game as well. But the other side of the thing is Wisconsin's defense. It, it makes plays what it has to. I don't, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I understand the Wake Forest quarterback struggled, but you can't tell me that the Wisconsin defense didn't have something to do with that. Oh, of course it has something to do with it. Um, Wisconsin came out pretty flat, too. Let's go ahead and say that. They, um, they, they had a broken coverage in there, a bunch of missed tackles. They had to delay a game on a punt. They had a flag that brought down, back a big gain. I mean, it was just it was, it was putrid out of the start, but they regrouped quick, man. And then the offensive line at times actually started winning big time for about second quarter for the Badgers. For the Badgers, I thought they were just absolutely mauling and took for a while. Over. But then yeah. it kind of in the second it half kind of yeah. changed. So how about the fullback love we were seeing in this game? For wasn't that fun? Yep. I mean, two fullbacks on the field at the same time at yep. some points. Yeah, that was great. Good old fashioned football right there. But I do feel like. There are some things that are going to be interesting. We'll we'll do we'll do a postseason review of each team, so we won't go too deep into it here. But Graham Mertz didn't look fantastic again to the point yeah. where Chase Wolf came into this game. You know, for reasons why I'm not 100 percent sure. Was it let's give another quarterback a shot? Was Graham Mertz a little dinged up? Maybe it's a little bit of of both. I think he was dinged at a point there, wasn't he? I do I do think so, but I also wonder if the Wisconsin fans were kind of curious to see trying to feel it out a little bit you because know. Wolf's a little more athletic, right? So I don't think Wisconsin ever had the chance to really get up to full speed uh, this year. And there just wasn't, there just wasn't that typical symbiotic relationship between the rushing attack, play action, getting yeah, some deep right. shots down. I mean, we saw it at the beginning of the year, really honestly more against Michigan because Illinois did a pretty good job. Uh, limiting Wisconsin's rushing attack in that That's first true. game. Yeah. It was Michigan where it was about the only time you saw Wisconsin be in Wisconsin. True. Outside of that, it was all Rona and injuries or a combination of the two. But in the end, Wisconsin does what they have to do in this game to not only win, but win pretty comfortably. Yeah. Um, again, not to get in too deep, but to me, the, the problem that Wisconsin had pretty much all year, the reason that they were not Wisconsin offense was just they could not get that, that, that push the run game going to open up everything else. It Agreed. just wasn't happening. I think a lot of it had to do with injuries along the old line. They um, lost some receivers at points in the year yeah, too, but I, I think there's a lot of different things you can point at. It's going to be a team. that's going to be fun to dig into in the off season for sure. Um, yeah. Way to go. Bad. I mean, through all of that junk that they had to go through, they still wind up going to a bowl and finishing four and three. Again, this is by far the worst season Wisconsin has had in a long time they're four and three with a bowl victory think about their their previous kind of bad season right. was when they finished third but they still went to the championship game and won it right against Nebraska yeah boy it must be nice all right that moves us into the new year first up on New Year's Day this was the Citrus Bowl Northwestern 35 Auburn 19 this was a Line where the Wildcats were favored by three and a half over under 43 and a half. So the uh, Wildcats easily covered that. The game easily went over total yards with um, uh, the Wildcats with 457 yards of total offense. That's a high output for the Northwestern offense uh, this year. Uh, the Tigers had 361 yards. Yes. Yeah, so let's start out by congratulating Mike Hankwitz. 
Yes, 400. 400th victory. But, and by, by the way, um, who was it? Gilmore was announcing that game. Oh, God, he's horrible. He kept saying Hankowitz, and it was just annoying the crap out of me. His name is Hankwitz. It's not even that tough. Um, and I, I like uh, uh, last year during the Outback Bowl, um, he he that was Minnesota Auburn. Was he the same guy? He was announcing, and, and he was yep, so you're right. bad. He you're is right. so so. It, um, <laughs> uh, shout out to Chappie. Chappie was saying on Twitter how it sounds like they just wake him up that day and tell him what game he's gonna call, and he just like that's how much preparation. And he's he hung over. In. He had know. a late night the or night before. Maybe he's just not too bright. I don't know. Like he just. His takes in the game are stupid most of the time. He is so anti Big Ten. It just it just well, comes yeah. out through his pores. He is he that is awful. But he just has no enthusiasm no, for the game either. No, it's no. just he's just sitting. It's like he's reclined back on his couch with a bourbon on his belly, calling the game. It's just yeah. it's it's weird. But um, I want to I want to give Northwestern credit for really coming out of this game and going after Auburn. They went for it on that fourth and eight midfield and got it. They went for it another fourth and one and got it. They went for it again on fourth and two, didn't get it. But con- congrats to to Fitzgerald for coming out with that much, you know, gumption. And I would and say coming out with the plan, uh, uh, game plan. To attack Auburn through the air. Peyton Ramsey, 24 of 35, 35 passing attempts for 291 yards, three touchdowns, and zero picks. We said on the last podcast. That was the key if, for me. And he blew he blew my expectations out of the water. So I I knew if they didn't turn it over a lot, they'd be fine and they'd win the game. You, but they, you nailed that. But they dominated this game because they, did. they didn't turn it over. 100%. Speaking of another domination, uh, two stats. uh, uh point out the most the, the passing totals were pretty similar rushing totals for northwestern to auburn 166 to 61 which led to a time of possession uh, advantage for 36 minutes to 24 i mean there wasn't anything about this game that didn't point to northwestern just beating the brakes off of the auburn time you know it kind of reminds me of the outback bowl last year 100 percent minnesota in fact, I think this maybe was a little bit worse. It like, might have been a little worse. Auburn had a chance to get back into that game last year, even though well, I thought Minnesota pretty much dominated it. But I mean, score wise, yeah, obviously it's it's it was much closer last year. But I'm talking about like just looking down the stats and the domination on the lines of scrimmage as well. Absolutely beat them up. They just mugged them up front. And another thing I'm going to say, Mike Bajakian does a really good job of deciding when to go tempo and when to back it off. It's a very good point. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what he sees that makes him change it up, but it works every time, seemingly. That's a really good point. And yep. then because of that, uh, Cam Porter, thirty-three carries, ninety-eight yards. Not the greatest average in the world, but I don't know. Just he was obviously a part of that rushing attack that was in control of the game. He looked good. Well, and that's what the, they're carrying the ball. They ran a ton of plays in this game. They Northwestern. Did. It was but, like the old Northwestern style to a certain degree. But even though they weren't getting chunk yards running the ball, they were shortening the game up and they were ahead. You know, once they get ahead seven nothing, it's like a European League soccer game. When you get up one nothing, it's almost <laughs> over at that point, right? Never watch a European uh, soccer game. I'll take your word for it, but I'll say this. <laughs> I'll say well, this. I don't, I don't know that I've ever watched, <laughs> but have you ever seen a score that's more than one to nothing? No. Or God, that sports awful. Oh, I know. Um, but uh, uh, I'll say this much. I felt like any part in the game when it was like a big third down that needed to get converted, mm-hmm. they, it seemed like they got almost all of them. And it was mostly Peyton Ramsey. Yeah, I mentioned the fourth and ones, but you're right. The, the third downs 
were big too. Um, I mean, they were up 35 to 13 before Northwestern or Auburn's essentially last possession. It, yeah. it was complete domination here. Yeah. Um, and how about Fitzy coming out in the shorts? Yeah, that Coach was pretty. Of- that was pretty bold, huh? <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's the- he kind of wound up matching what his thought process was in the game. Like, screw it, I'm not punting. We're gonna chuck yeah. the ball around. We're gonna dominate this game. But doesn't and- doesn't he look like a dad down, you know, for Christmas vacation in Tampa? <laughs> And also, along with that, just not giving a crap what anybody... Why would Pat Fitzgerald care if somebody gave him crap about wearing shorts on the sidelines? He won't. Nah, so, he so he doesn't care. Yeah. Uh, so linebackers, uh, Pat, Patty Fisher, 12 tackles. Blake Gallagher, 10. Oh, Chris Bergen, only nine. Wow. I don't know. We got wow. to work on that, yeah. Mr. Bergen. But another just typical Northwestern excellent performance. Way to go. Even a little bit better, you know? And I, I think they showed, and obviously we got another game we'll talk about, this was a good Northwestern team. They finished seven and two with an inexplicable loss to Michigan State. They, if they were in a certain different league, they would be probably finished the season ranked in the top ten. I would think. My guess is, I mean, they went into this game. I think they were ranked fourteenth. Maybe they'll move up a couple spots. I would yeah. think they would. My guess is, even if they move up a couple spots, they're still a couple spots down on where they should be. Probably if they, if they had a different name across the front of their jersey. All right, so we talked about how great Wisconsin's defense was. Northwestern, another great defensive performance. You throw Iowa into that, into that. You know, I was similar level defensively as these those two teams. Think about it, those are three of the best defenses in the whole country. No doubt, all in the Big Ten West, the supposed inferior. Big Ten West, which we're going to get to yes, we later in this yeah. podcast. I just want to point that no, out. It's good. It's a good point that you brought that up. Um, and for the second year in a row, as we talked, mentioned the Auburn Tigers from the mighty SEC West got dominated by a Big Ten West opponent. All right. That moves us into the Outback Bowl. Yikes. Ole Miss 26, Indiana 20. The Hoosiers are favored by eight. So Ole Miss was in control of this game the whole game. Over under 66. This was one of my wins that day. I had the under in this game. Ole Miss had a lot of players out. With that being said, they still racked up 493 yards of total offense to the Hoosiers. 369. Whoops. This was not the game that not only Hoosier fans, but I would say just Big Ten fans and even just common fans listening to other podcasts like, I'm not sure I heard anybody pick Ole Miss to win this game, and they did. There was really no reason to pick Ole Miss to win this game, which brings me to my big point about this whole game is, IU, what have you done? You had, I mean, this is such a stain on this great season to just come out and lay an egg like this. And you want to know when I knew it was just, this was not their day. There was a long pass from Tuttle down the sideline to Freifogel. Freifogel gets his his body position that he always gets he, so much stronger than the defensive back goes up there. It hits his hands and he drops it. Yeah. Like that's one that he comes down with every single time. I'm like this, this is just not their day. And I don't like to pile on individual players often, you know, but I think part of the reason the receivers were not making plays and were getting frustrated was because the aforementioned Jack Tuttle, he, boy, he was struggling. We're talking, he was bouncing balls three, four yards in front of his receivers. There was open guys that he just wasn't seeing. You know, obviously losing the heart and soul of the offense in Penix 
was huge. Like it, it sure. cannot be understated. That that was a big deal. Or but, overstated. I mean, it is, but I don't I don't want to make that excuse because Ole Miss had so many players out here. I know, but I agree. and offensively, so yep. they were they both had one hand tied behind the their biggest, back. The biggest loss is when your trigger man goes down. I get I mean, it, but it, I don't want to. It's a big deal. I don't want that to be an excuse, though. I, I it, it can't be used as an excuse in in its totality because of what Ole Miss was facing. They had some guys out defensively too, off of the worst defense statistically that you could ever dream of going I mean, into a bowl game. We knew that Indiana, even with Penix, didn't always have a high powered offensive output so we knew it wasn't going to be very good with Tuttle but man I just expected more of them I did too I expected at least if nothing else just dedicate yourself to the run game they ran for 168 yards 4.2 average so not bad but I just thought that there's there's no way they weren't going to score on this old Miss defense dude 168 yards rushing is it's good. solid yeah it's, it's not, solid that's not just not bad it's good so why didn't they win the game? Why didn't they put more points on the board? It was the passing game, man. There was, terrible. was nothing there. It four, was it was just horrible. Four and a half yards per attempt, uh, 26 of 45 for Tuttle for 201. Um, now, he did get banged up a little bit. He had a shoulder problem in the game. It's, it looked like it was his throwing shoulder. So, <laughs> I mean, I mean it, <laughs> in more ways than one, I it looked it like was. it was his yeah. throwing shoulder. But then, okay, so then... You know, IU looks like dog shit for the whole game. But then finally they come back and tie it at 20. I'm like, okay. Yep. You know, everyone has a bad day. Good teams find a way to win, even when they're playing bad. Dream I, season continues. Like, that was once, the thoughts I was having, Once too. it was tied, I'm like, they're fine. They're going to win this game. The they're five. okay. And then Ole Miss scores that touchdown, but misses the PAT. I'm like, okay, this is your opening. 27 go, to 26. Go, go take win. it. And they yep. just couldn't do it. Yeah. So disappointing. I'm, no. I was. It was just, and that's by the way, the second year in a row where Indiana's had a surprise season, right? I mean, we not a lot of people were expecting them to go to a bowl last year. They get to a bowl, lose in heartbreaking fashion. This year, they have even a bigger step forward. Go to a bowl, lose in heartbreaking fashion again. Um, tough end of the year for Indiana, and <laughs> and, it, and and do we have a tough relationship going on between Indiana and the Big Ten because? The general yeah. thought process was here was that Indiana used different logos for the bowl, whatever sponsors to cover up the Big Ten logo on their jerseys. Well, I mean, it, it was clearly covered up. Okay. I mean, that was intentional. All you right. don't do that unless you mean it. So you're 100% convinced that's how that went down. I don't know why you would do that otherwise. All right. I mean, I do too, but, and I just got to say, I is just. That is a rock you just don't throw at the hornet's nest. No. Do, don't do that. No, I think that was a bad move, probably. I, I think like This is where conspiracy theories start, because at some point, by the way, Indiana starts with Iowa next year. A couple of calls don't go your way in a game. I, we, I know what they're going to be blaming it on. They're going to be course. blaming it on the Big Ten having it of course. for them. I mean, it won't be much different from you know what Nebraska had this year. Going against the Big Ten as well. I mean, I know what the excuse is going to be. It's that, oh, there's so many damn patches on the jersey. It was too cluttered. Well, did you cover up the Gator Bowl patch last year? No. Or did you cover up the Big Ten with the Gator Bowl? I, I don't think so. I don't remember that. So, do, you think, do you think any statement or anything like that will come out of this? Or are they everybody just going to agree to just move on and let's not talk about it? No, I think everyone's going to agree to move on. Like if it was, I don't know, if it was Nebraska – You'd be hearing about it nonstop. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah, or if it was Ohio State, you'd hear about it. Someone like that. I think 
I think people just let it go. I think probably. But I think Tommy A got a little too big for his britches on that one. I think that's fair. Um, Here's another thing about the game. I didn't feel like the IU defense was being as aggressive. Maybe that was just planned because of uh, because of the style of offense that Ole Miss runs. Maybe they were just playing like more of a bend, don't break. But it just seemed like they got out of what kind of got them there. I agree. I mean, we talked on the last podcast that if I was the Indiana defensive coordinator, maybe I wouldn't be quite as aggressive because it would. I mean, that's what Lane Kiffin yep. feasts on. Yep. Dude, the Indiana defense did its job. I know I know that um, uh, uh, Ole Miss had a lot of yards, 493. A lot of that has to do with just how often their offense was on the field because the, the Hoosiers offense couldn't run the ball or couldn't uh, keep drives sustained because of the passing attack. I, I think the Indiana defense did what it had to do to win this bowl. Okay, but here's allow me to retort here. Um, with all the players that they had, Ole Miss had out offensively, I feel like you could have broken their rhythm by being more aggressive. Like, we didn't know that that many players were going to be out. I think because of that, you got a bunch of guys, you know, that, that aren't used to being out there. The timing's not going to be as good. The, good point. Everything's not going to be as crisp. I don't know. I feel like... Especially they, once it gets into the third quarter, and they had, like, what, six right. points on the board? Right. At that point, what do you got to lose? Take Correct. a shot? Correct. Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah. With that being said, with the loss, the Hoosiers still finish at 6-2. and two. My guess is they will still finish ranked to end the season. I'd be shocked if they wouldn't. All right, that moves us into the Big Ten game of the week. This was, of course, on Friday, January 1st, New Year's Day, the second college football playoff game, the quote-unquote Sugar Bowl, Ohio State 49, the Clemson Tigers 28. Clemson Tigers favored by seven and a half points. They got boat raced, an easy cover for Ohio State. Over under 66 and a half, we went way over that. Total yards, Ohio State, 639 yards of total offense to the Clemson Tigers, 444. We got a lot of fun stuff to unpack here. I mean, (laughs) where do you want to start? For me, I start with the rushing game. Ohio State's rushing game versus Clemson's rushing game. 254 yards for Ohio State and only 44 for Clemson. So Ohio State did great on both sides of the ball there. But one of the things we've been talking about all year with Ohio State is they, they, they're they going to need a, a running game if they want to compete in the college football playoff. I know I was saying that. Well, they found that running game. Right. It's here. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something real quick, see if you can you can pick out what I'm doing here. Okay. okay. You, you're, oh, you're breaking your hand, patting yourself in the back. Yes. I said that. Ohio State had more of an advantage in the trenches than what was being played out. One of the thought processes I had was the, the Ohio State offensive line. Yes. It it blew my mind the disrespect that the that is That's that is a very good offensive line. I'm not saying Clemson's defensive line is good. That's how good the offensive line once that running game was established. Oh, it was over, man. Then they could go over top. Yeah. Another thing I said in the podcast. In fact, I think they came out with the game plan pretty similar. They were running the ball and throwing short passes to begin. Once Clemson had to suck in mm-hmm. to the line of scrimmage, boom, that's when they took off and went right over top of them. Taking the quarterbacks out of the the equation for this, okay? Chris Olave is the best skill position player in that game, and it is not particularly close. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I mean... Who are you going to put over top of him? Okay. Travis Etienne? No. You know, their best wide receiver? No. I mean, it made a huge difference having Maybe him Maybe Trey Sermon, I guess, would be 
in the in the conversation for for competition. But Chris Olave to me, he is the X factor difference maker. When he has been gone from this offense, yeah, there's if 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 there was a receiver that talented for Alabama or Clemson or LSU or you know Florida. If that type of receiver was missing from this offense for two, three stre- game stretches, like it was versus Ohio State, yep. there would be there would be like a running scroll on the bottom of ESPN saying that that's per- this this player is out. We've barely heard about Chris Olave being gone. It's true. That's how big of a difference this dude makes to the offense, and he just blew up that Clemson secondary. He did. I mean, it was an impressive performance. Having him, having Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams had a great game, kind of coming out party for him. The weapons were all over the field, and I, I, I can't say as much as love you're giving to Olave, I, that's how I feel about Trey Sermon. I mean, this guy was so dominant in that game. He was uh, physically physically manhandling. He was the the, the Clemson. Tiger I can't defense. believe how physical he has looked the past two weeks. I wonder where the thirty one carries, hundred and ninety three yards and a touchdown. Chris Olave, by the way, six catches, one hundred and thirty two yards, two touchdowns. I just don't know where they were hiding Trey Sermon all year. It is an interesting situation because I was I was kind of disappointed when I and maybe he was a little more dinged up than we realized early in the year. Maybe he had that s- could be. some injury because I'm pretty sure he did have an offseason injury. But um, or maybe it's something that we already talked about, which is the fact that Ohio State didn't get to play 10, 11, 12 games. They didn't get to figure out. Yeah. I know we've already said it, but they didn't get to figure out who they were Correct. until right at the end of the year, which would be, by the way, right in the middle of the year of most years, probably the best thing that Northwestern did as a gift to Ryan day and the Ohio state fans is force them to run the ball when they finally took that bait and, and correctly did by the way, and crushed Northwestern in the second half running the ball. I really do think Ryan day said, Hey, you know, um, as much as I love designing, you know, play maybe designing, it's, maybe pass- it's just as fun to win a game running the ball as passing. Maybe, I don't know. Let's try it and just see how it feels. I mean, it honestly reminds me of like a 14 year old kid that starts playing, you know, mad yeah. NCAA. And he's like, I just want to throw, <laughs> I just want to throw. And he just chucks it everywhere. And then at some point he's like, wait, running is also fun. That's kind of what Ryan day reminds me of. This okay. Year. We've gotten pretty deep into this analysis without really mentioning, or at least going deep about Justin <laughs> Fields, who, who probably played his best game ever. hundred percent. He did. Um, uh, give the the totals twenty two of twenty eight, and it didn't even feel like he had six incompletions to me. To no, be honest with it you. didn't. Twenty two of twenty eight, three hundred and eighty five yards, six touchdowns, and one pick. The six touchdowns tie is Chuck Long uh, for the Big Ten record for amount of uh, touchdown passes in one game. In one game, they both have six. No so. kidding. Um, I mean, dude, <laughs> and he got he got. Dinged. I mean, we were worried so, about that yeah. thumb coming into the game. Yes. That shot he took on the ribs. I thought done. I, I thought over. Done. I thought game over. Cracked I thought ribs. Fields out of there. I thought yeah, broken ribs. I thought you're going to put C.J. Stroud in there. He's going to be a deer in headlights, and Clemson's going to take over this game. I thought for sure that was going to happen. And he got a potentially a medicinal help. I would. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. You think so? And, and here's the deal. I joke about that. Do you know who has to okay the shot going in? Justin Fields. Like, if sure. that happened, because you want to know what Justin Fields wants to do? He wants to go and play. Hell yes, he <laughs> wants to go out and tear up this Clemson secondary, which he did. Okay, so we, we, we've we talked about 
Fields playing great. Olave is looking great. The running game has come around. I think this is officially an offensive juggernaut now. But we still have that one little chink in the armor, which is the passing defense. Okay, they gave up 400 yards. Now, I get it. Clemson was playing from behind the whole game. Okay. But still, I, I, they've they've still got to work on it because they're about to go against maybe I, the best passing I get offense. it. I get it. But Tough Borland, Justin Hilliard, Pete Warner, their linebackers were all over the uh, the field. So Travis Etienne, 32 yards rushing total yep. on the game and only 10 carries. Why? I think Clemson realized early. This they wasn't couldn't. just because they got behind. In sure. my opinion, they could not run the ball versus that. That's a seven. good point. So right now, the special teams look fine. Yep. The the, the offense is off the charts in any way you want to judge it right now. The the defense is very good against the run. This yes. is now a True. awesome rushing attack defense. That's their only weakness is in the secondary. And let's be honest, this is going against what could be one of the greatest yeah. college quarterbacks yes. of all time. Good point. Justin. Good point. So it's not like they gave it up to to, to nobody here. And that was it. That, that was all they they could do in the game. That's all that's that was the only offense Clemson could go to. You should give up some passing yards. Yeah, it's good. It's good point. I'm getting a little nitpicky here. It is a pretty solid quarterback that Clemson trotted out there that did that. But here here's the thing that was most impressive. Halftime score. 35 to 14. Yeah. I, this game was over by it, that point. Like it you, pretty much was. The I, only time I got a little bit nervous is when I th- maybe it was still 35 to 14. And I think that's when Justin Fields threw his only pick in the third quarter. Which I think it was a tipped ball. Wasn't it a tipped ball? A little ball? bit. I mean, it was just a bad decision anyways that he was even trying to force the ball in there. Because at that point, I think they could have gone up 38 to 14, which really would have. I mean, that field goal there making it a three and a half possession game like that, like it pretty much puts it out of out of reach. That was the only time I got nervous. And then, and then uh, I'm pretty sure in the next possession, Ohio state forced a turnover Mm. and it was game over at that point. I I wasn't even nervous when that happened, but then kind of like the Wisconsin game that they were giving all the love to the fullbacks. How about the tight end love in this game? Three, touchdowns for that tight end room for Ohio State uh two to record and one to Farrell loved seeing that and that's Ryan Day having fun so at that, that point that was some, I mean, they must have seen something that they thought they could exploit that because which is just tough to think against a Brent Venables coach defense you know yep. Brent Venables with his schemes you know Brent Venables loves to Jesus. I mean is there is there a coordinator, non-head coach corner, that gets on TV as much as that guy does no. during a game? or just get his name mentioned. I yeah. mean, if it was oh, his, uh, do but, a shot every time Brent Venable's name is mentioned, you'd, you'd have been dead before half. Yeah, I mean, he was – it felt like – in fact, I'm pretty sure he was on screen more than Dabo was. I don't think it's – speaking of Dabo. Wait, we gotta make, we got to bring up Dabo. Yeah. Um, Number one, my fa- my favorite part. So obviously, and I don't even think we knew this when we recorded the podcast last. Dab, I mean, we knew about Dabo uh, ranking him yep. 11th, but I mean, more of the press came out with that. Um, the the Ohio State players dancing in the locker room after the game, like 11. You gonna rank us 11? Did that? Were they saying I didn't yep. I miss that? Oh yeah, that okay. was fun. And then the interview that Dabo get gave. The interview that Dabo gave walking off the field at half, boy, he had a lot of pride wiped from his smug little ass <laughs> that he had just previous this week. I mean, you could really tell that he he, he, he was a deer caught in headlights. He was. And 
this is another case probably of getting too big for your britches. I think he just he looked he he looked at this Ohio State team. He thought there's no way we lose these guys. I can say whatever the hell I want. I can do whatever the hell I want. No amount of bulletin board material is going to help them win this game. And so that's why he just was a loose cannon. I think so. Yeah. Like I thought maybe to a certain degree it was maybe firing up his own team or something like that, but Dude, I think you nailed it. He just he got too far out in front of his ski tips, man. He did, man. And it just came back to bite him. Yes. Like Ohio State already had anger and fire to throw that on there. Right. You cannot tell me that didn't play into this we, game. We we talked about this being revenge game for them from last year. They've been talking about this since last year. They wanted Clemson again. They got him, and they just he just yeah kept pouring gasoline in the fire. Um, so with that being said, uh, so Ohio state is seven and oh, right. And they are advancing to the college football playoff to play Bama. Bama looked good versus Notre Dame. They did. I don't think they looked any better versus Notre Dame than Ohio state looked no. versus Clemson. And I, I think Clemson so. is better than Notre Dame. I know they split the series this year, but the most recent t- uh, time Clemson played with, you know, a full, uh, roster for Clemson to work with. I don't just saying. I think I think it's a way more impressive victory for oh, Ohio no. State over Clemson it than, was, than it is Bam over Notre Dame. Of of the the games that day, they were the the more the most impressive team on the of, of between the two. Yep, between Bam and and the, they were the most impressive team. Yeah, I think There's most no doubt. impressive bowl victory of anybody that Pro- played. Yes, probably. Speaking of bowls, the Big Ten right now stands at three and one. In the Bulls. Damn you, Hoosiers. Yeah, almost 4-0. Uh, yet, with that being said, or be, uh, being known, I should say, and with Ohio State literally at the time just depancing Clemson on a national stage, we still had Chris Fowler of the Four Letter Network say, and I quote, well, it was a down year for the Big Ten. When did he say that? It was, in my memory, towards the end of the game. Like, we're talking fourth quarter-ish. He said it in the game? That is how I remember it, yes. Wow. Any listeners that want to correct me on that and exactly what happened, there's probably Ohio State fans that know exactly when he said that. Yep. Um, Reese Davis has been banging that drum on the college football playoff show the last two, three weeks. He's been saying it as well. Let Let me ask you this. How in the... Could you know that this is a down year for the Big Ten when the only teams that the Big Ten played are each other? And then into the Bulls, they are now 3-1 and one with the best team in the Big Ten destroying Clemson. What do you have to go off of to make that statement? The only thing you have to go off is the bowl games we just watched. I mean, that's literally it. Or it's strictly because... Michigan and Penn State are well, not, and maybe to a certain degree, Wisconsin, because they're not at the top of the Big Ten. Well, the Big Ten must be crap. Correct. That's yeah. it. What else? Do you? They have nothing to go off of. But here's this is I, and this has always bothered me since I was a, a young man. That that whole thing, like, well, if Michigan's not good and Ohio State's not good, then it's a down year. Because if they're not good, doesn't it mean somebody else is good? Isn't it just like logic? Doesn't well, that, it, like, it, kind of... it works that way in the SEC. Yeah, it does, yeah. I, I mean, so my whole thing is this, okay? Certainly you can look at conferences. Like, it's it's gotten it's gotten annoying, the conference versus conference situation. Oh, it's been annoying for 10 years. It's been annoying for quite some time. Pretty much, I would say, 
since the genesis of the BCS, right? That's yeah. when the conference stuff started. Yes, it did. Um, okay. But there is no doubt in my mind that the conference that gets dogged on the most nationally is the Big Ten. I don't even think it's... It seems like it. So, okay. To me, though, I mean, that's but that's my perspective. I just wonder if I'm just, you know, looking at it only from the inside and, and not looking at it from... And I don't know how you could get a perspective that wasn't biased. It would have to be somebody that, like, moved here from Europe and would have to just start watching... <laughs> Maybe like football. maybe like a Boise State fan. Okay, okay, that's that's fair. Yeah. Um, with that being said, okay, I do believe there are conferences that are better than other conferences, right? I mean, obviously, sure. if we're gonna start on the extremes, a group of five conference can't compete typically with a Power Five conference. Okay, that's that's pretty much understood. Then we move into just comparing the Power Five conferences. Okay. I think there's a lot of data to point to the Pac-12 having been down for quite some sure. time. Okay. The Pac-12 is down, all right? But And by the way, it's not because Oregon and USC are are bad. They're still like, you know, the better teams in that conference, but it's just when they they in just big stage others, I mean, they're just they just haven't been good. It's, correct. it's looked bad for quite some time. This is what ticks me off, okay? We know that ESPN is the four letter network for the sec. Like that's pretty obvious, but I think forgotten sometime is that ESPN also is partnered up with the ACC to the point where I think you can pretty much guarantee they love the fact that three out of the four teams in the playoff this year were part of the brand sec and two ACC. Of course. Okay. Well, let's talk about the ACC for a little bit here. Okay. All right. The ACC went over bulls. O for both. They're own six. Own seven. Own seven. Own seven. Okay. That's two in the college football playoff with Notre That's Dame. Right. Okay. This year in Clemson yep. and five other bowls. O for seven. Okay. So the Big Ten only played Big Ten teams this year, right? Correct. The ACC, each team, if it was allowed to play, played one out of conference game. Okay. Okay. Do you want to hear this slate? Yeah, I don't know. Ooh, wow. Clemson beat the Citadel. Big one. Notre Dame beat USF. Wow, it's a big run. Miami beat UAB. Huge. Wow. Another big win. North Carolina beat Western Carolina. The two best wins. The two best wins, both NC State and VATEC, both had uh, VATEC beat Liberty by three, and NC State beat Liberty by one point. Those are by far the two best wins for the ACC out of conference for their wow. out of conference games. Wow. Pitt beat Austin P. Wake Forest beat the Campbell Fighting Camels. Oh, Lord. The Campbell Fighting Camels. I didn't even know Wait, that team existed. Fighting Camels? Camels. Like the hump. The, the, hump. the, the desert hump, dwelling hump day. Mike, isn't it Mike the Camel? Isn't that that? that... I have no idea. And then, dude, FSU had to come from behind to beat Jackson State. You remember that? Yeah. yeah. That is the most atrocious off, you know, out of conference record. So then they move into the bowls and they get depanced in the bowls. Right. Including so then if you want to throw out all the other bowls, they just don't matter, right? You take the you take the Braden Gall approach, nothing matters except for the college football playoff in Braden Gall's mind. Okay. Right. So let's just use the college football playoff. Sure. Clemson got depanced by Ohio State. Notre Dame got depanced by Alabama. You know what conference we know is pretty shitty this year? The fucking ACC. I think so. Here, so, okay, this is from Brett Ciancia, Pick 6 Previews, our good buddy 
friend of the show, bowl standings the last five seasons. Okay, well, you said you, you were talking about the ACC. So last five seasons, the Atlantic is 14 and 12. The Coastal is 8 and 14. Horrible. Okay, now let's go down the entire list, starting from top to bottom. So he broke it down into divisions where appropriate. Of course, the Big 12 did not break down in divisions. The number one highest winning percentage division in college football, the last five seasons in bowl games, the Big Ten West. Yoo-hoo! Not the East, the West. 15 and 5. Next is the 15 S- and 5. 15 man. and 5. It's fantastic. Next is the SEC West at 18 and 10. Next is the Big 12 at 18 and 13. Then you get to the ACC Atlantic. Then the SEC East is only 12 and 11. Pac 12 North, 7 and 10. Big Ten East is 7 and 12. A lot of hard. Now, obviously. The tougher matchups that the Big Ten get East get are tougher than the Big Ten West. I want to make sure I understand But then that. ACC Coastal and then the Pac-12 South all the way at the bottom at 4 and 10. So then if you want to go conference, overall, yeah, conferences. Conference overall. Okay, SEC has the best, 588 winning percentage. But listen to these percentages here. Second is the Big 12 at 581. Next is the Big Ten at 564. Right. Then the, you drop down then to the below 500. Yeah, pretty big drop from there is the ACC at 449. And then the Pac-12 at 355. It's abysmal. So, so essentially... It is the SEC, Big Ten, and Big 12 that are all right next to each other. Correct. A big jump down to the ACC and a gigantic jump down to the Pac-12. The point is this. There is no doubt in my mind that the Pac-12 and the ACC are way worse than the Big Ten. But you just don't hear about it. Especially with the ACC. No. Then, and I'll be honest, the Big 12, I probably have to come to terms with it's a better conference than maybe even I give it credit. It's for. probably better than I give it credit for too. I think, and and by the way, I don't think the SEC sucks, obviously, but what is going to happen? And you watch if Ohio State beats Alabama, the the what the thought process that you're going to hear and it's going to be beamed into your head is that well, it's not the Big Ten, it's Ohio State. That's what you're going to hear. Sure, that's going to be what the message is going to be given. The point that I would make is I could say the same thing about the SEC. Alabama has absolutely dominated that, okay? With the exception of LSU last year. Who cheated their asses off. Of course they did. We know. Of course. To get that title. Of course. Cheated their asses off to get it. Now, the other thing is nobody was going to keep LSU out of the college football playoff last year or stuff like that. I totally get it. The part that really ticks me off is because – We've just accepted this. It's just whoever wins the SEC's in. It's not even a fight anymore. I mean, it's just like anything else you see in 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 the media. Just whatever whatever, whatever they, say, they decide. Whatever they decide. And we just goes. sit here and accept it. Correct. Just we have to just accept it. The same people, journalists that are driving around in their Toyota Priuses with a bumper sticker that says "Question everything," but right. we question them. <laughs> of course, it's. It's crap. And then on top of that, okay, or, or, you know, mixed in with it, Georgia has gotten into the college football playoffs without winning. I mean, did they win the SEC? No, they no, won they the lost. SEC once. Yeah, no. You don't think that's a built-in advantage? If you know that you're a one-loss, really good-looking SEC team, you still get in the college football playoff in that third or fourth spot. Penn State doesn't get that well, let thought me, process. Well, let me ask you this. Let's say Wisconsin. Or Wisconsin. Is, that's who I'm going to bring. Wisconsin, if they were undefeated 
and lost to a highly ranked Ohio State team in the Big Ten championship game, would they have a prayer at making the playoff? Of course not. No, they wouldn't have a prayer at making the playoff. And and every time you have this conversation, it's just where are recruiting rankings. It's where recruiting yep. rankings. That's it. That's all they say. Well, I mean, they, the, the the committee can do whatever they want. There are no criteria, it's, it's as just, I like to it's say. It's just junk. I mean, this is what gets me to starting to consider an 18 playoff because you should get in if you win your conference and then have a at-large here or there. I don't, I don't know how exactly you would do it. But at least if you know you win your conference and you get in, th- yeah, that would, at least it would, helps. It would keep everything interesting in the regular season. It would keep the championship game important. So yeah, I mean, and then what I want to see is if the if the basically the college football playoff committee's job at that point is to just seed the teams once they're once the five champions are in, they pick one group of five yep. at large and two other at large. That's their job, right? Yeah. So then, of course, Alabama would still be the freaking one seed at that point. Of course, but at least at that point, if Georgia is the five seed. Okay, or Florida, whoever these, te- you know, the the second best SEC team is, if they're going against a four seed USC, okay, I want to at least see that game. Sure, I want to see if, and especially if it's on on campus where Georgia has to fly out oh, that'd be to awesome. the West Coast. Yes, then I think what you would see is this. I do think begrudgingly, okay, the SEC is the best football conference. The point I'm trying to make is it's a very small difference between the SEC to the Big Ten to the Big Twelve. I agree. Like, do and, and depth wise too. I'll go. I'll throw depth in there too. Do I think Oklahoma is really honestly four touchdowns better than Florida? I, I don't. Okay, Florida was down a lot of dudes in that game, but the thought process that that at one point Oklahoma. With two losses, they were down like 12, number 12. Yeah. And freaking Florida was fifth. <laughs> Jesus, you're, you're trying to tell me that's not a built-in advantage? It's ridiculous, man. Of course. I I, I just... I will say I'm getting... I, I'm still anti-playoff. I'm still anti-expansion. Ex, uh, but I'm getting closer to just saying, fine, just make it eight teams. That's fine. Whatever. Uh, with the understanding that that you have to be conference champions are automatically are in automatically one in. at least one power five team or a group, group of five, five at least one and I then mean, two at large you could have more you know if you have two tremendous and then basically tri- just call one of those at large the notre dame spot correct because that's how it's going to go and then the other one's the sec spot the SEC that's spot. the part that i don't like about the correct. eight we got to mark that down because if this ever comes to fruition that it's eight teams that's going to be the fight. That's what's going to piss everybody off. And we've already said it here on January 3rd, 2021. That's your that's your five conference champions, group of five, Notre Dame, SEC second team. You're right. And that's yep. going to annoy me just as much, if not more, because okay. then that's going to be another built-in advantage. Right. So I don't then, know. I'm pissed off either way, man, just because of the advantage that the SEC gets. And then you could have a 16-team playoff, and it would just be five SEC teams. <laughs> For real, man. It would just perpetuate. It would. Me. I know. You got a couple f bombs to cut out of there, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll cut out the f bombs. Um, one th- here's one thing I do want to say. I think I'm not sure if I've mentioned it before. We we haven't really talked a whole lot about the playoff because I'm just not a big fan of even discussing it. But one thing uh, expanding the playoffs would do is it would spread recruits around to more teams. That's a good point. Because right now they're basically going to Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, and then like Georgia, and or maybe you know nope. Oklahoma. Right. But it, so. 
there's so much recruiting concentration that's happened since the playoff that I, it would spread that out a little that's bit. A and I would like that. And that act alone, just by taking a couple five stars and spreading them out, yeah. you know, a couple more four stars spreading them out, it makes that team that much more susceptible to the Iowas and Wisconsins right. and, and Washingtons of yeah. the world. And, you know, and the other thing right now, you basically hear about the big three and then they talk about, oh, well, who's the fourth team going to be? So you're really only talking about five or six teams from for most years. If you expand it to eight, now you're talking about 15 teams, maybe even 20 teams. Who So you, you start spreading the love, the, the coverage, the media coverage to more teams, which I mean, that's. That's the you biggest... listen to these other podcasts. All that was a very good point. Because you listen to these other podcasts, dude. They just—that's all they want to talk about is college football playoffs. Correct. Who, who, who's in the running? Who's in the running? And if you and the general and the general thought process is, well, isn't that how? Like, if you look at the NFL, we're we just care about who wins the Super Bowl. That's what we talk about. I'm like, no. First of all, getting to the playoffs. Is a big deal. Yes. That's a big deal for an NFL franchise. Because if the you get, Browns are fighting their asses off today to try to get into the playoffs, that means and, something. To and them. the reason is if you get in the playoffs and you're healthy in the NFL, you've got a shot. 100%. That's a good point. The other thing I just like to point out is this is college football. We're, we're different than other sports. Like the regular season does matter. Two, That's my two biggest eight thing. and three teams playing at the end of the year right. for a trophy because it's a rivalry right. game. That's a big game. Yep. Even though they, they're both eliminated from the college football playoffs, quit acting like those games don't mean shit because well, they mean a lot. That's the problem I have with expansion is you're going to have Alabama that can just decide to not show up and decide to not even win the West, and they're still going to get in the playoffs. Right? Correct. If you have eight teams. and it, but, but then, okay, I'm going to argue against myself because let's say you expand to 16. You essentially now have included the entire Power Five, with the exception of very few teams. Everyone's got a shot at, at eventually making the playoff, right? That's a good point. And so at, at you, you essentially have to talk about everybody. If, you're t- if 16 teams make it, half the Power Five is, has a I good shot in any like good year. I just feel like at that point, they would water it down and only it would to them it would be so watered down they would only talk about the five or six teams that they felt like honestly had a ch- had a chance to win which then if you Maybe. get it, if which then you could basically do the same thing now if you go down to 8 are are we only still talking about Alabama clubs and all and I they, think that you would be only talking about man, them you bring up a really good point with that on how on giving an 18 playoff a wide run, like a long run. It would have to be like a 10, 12 year run to let the recruits. I don't think it would take that out. long. Okay. I think it would just take like three or four years because you, you'd, you'd have the good players on the Alabama's Ohio state's Clemson's and they would, they would move off the rosters. It, 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 people would start going to the other programs almost right away. I think the, the good, the better players would spread out to the other programs. So right what, away. you know, so it just take a matter of time for them to work their way into the lineup and for those rosters to mature. So basically, you just talked me into an eight-game playoff officially. I, I, I don't, I, dude. I don't even know if you tried to do it. No, but I didn't. Did it. But I but, tell you what, we we talk on all fourteen teams, Big Ten teams. Yeah, there is one fan base that does not want to see an eight-team playoff after what you just broke down. It's Ohio State. Correct. If I'm an Ohio State, Clemson, or Alabama fan, it's true. Maybe Georgia. Maybe Notre Dame. I guess. Um, I mean, this is something I struggle with because I really I like the bowls and polls. I wish we could go back to that because everybody had something to play for then. Like, 
if you were Minnesota or Indiana or Illinois, you had a shot to win, not every year, but you know, you could put a team together that could win the Big Ten, and then you're going to the Rose Bowl. That's your freaking national championship game. Well, and then the fact, too, is going into the last weekend of the year, like I would have to be a little bit more of a historian. Brett Sancio would be a perfect one to talk to this stuff about. Um, there were weekend or years where going into the last year, there was probably four, maybe five teams that had a realistic chance of a national championship. Yeah, right. Yeah, I would say. I mean, it sounds like an offseason pod, maybe. Like, if you had, you know, back in the day, a one-loss Nebraska versus one-loss Miami, one-loss Penn State and one-loss Ohio State, all going into their bowls. Sure. Even if two of the teams are playing each other, they all go in thinking, if those other three teams lose, we win. Yeah. It comes down to maybe just us and another team, or maybe we're by ourselves. You can't tell me that's not more fun than what we're dealing with here. I mean, that's why I like bowls and poles. It was more fun than what we're dealing with. I agree. It was more fun. Now, the frustrating part was all too often we were getting down to the end of the year and there was two undefeated teams or two yeah. one-loss teams that had dominated everybody but, of course, one opponent, and we didn't get a chance to see those two teams play. I mean, right. it's, it, it, the BCS did give us Texas-USC, one of the greatest – College football contest and the BCS one of the, great, one of the greatest just sporting events of my entire life. But outside of that, the BCS and college football playoff has largely been not good for me. I no, it hasn't. And uh, the other thing the BCS did immediately as soon as they went to BCS in 1998, it marginalized every other bowl game. So the Rose Bowl just d- didn't mean quite as much. The Sugar Bowl, if, you know, if it wasn't the national championship. Didn't mean quite as much. I, I never liked that about the BCS. But the BCS game was always good, and they always did choose. I, I think they pretty much got it right almost every year. Yeah, except for the year Alabama replayed LSU. That was junk. But, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm with you there. With that being said, I enjoyed the uh, contest on uh, Friday night <laughs> between Ohio State and Clemson. And I will be tuning in to watch Ohio State play Alabama. Oh, it's going to be fun, I man. I cannot wait yeah. to watch that game because it's sad now. It's like with everything being, you know, out of place, I typically run a bowl pool. I didn't do it this year. It was just too much fiasco to try to pull that together. I could just look down the sheet and you got a feel of like when these games were coming to an end and you could do a countdown in your head of the college football season coming to an end. All of a sudden, I realized with that end of that Clemson, North Car- or, uh, uh, Texas A&M, North Carolina game last night, I'm like, oh, shit. That's it. That was it. College football is over except for one game. Thank it, God Ohio State's still in it. And you know what? I just could not stay awake for that game. I yeah. had to go to bed. I was yeah. exhausted. It was a good game. Yeah. Unfortunately, North Carolina couldn't pull it out. How but... about those throwback unis for UNC? That was, Loved th- them. Those were throwback to, I guess, like the 19, was it 97 or six year when Mac Brown had that great year at North Carolina? Those were gorgeous. Love them. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good uniform game. Uh, it, it was overall. Like right. them versus tech, the Texas A&M, that was a good uh, yeah, uni matchup. That was as good of a uni matchup as the Georgia-Cincinnati game was Was awful. bad, yeah. And then Iowa State wearing black oh, uniforms it's terrible. On, Just on the Matt stage. Campbell, stop it. What Just stop it. I mean, if you want to wear them versus South Carolina State preseason, that's fine. You wore them Go in ahead. the Big 12 championship and their bowl game. It's, I mean, you're talking about two of the biggest games in program history. 
And, and, you, and, and if you were a newcomer to watching Iowa State, you would have no idea that red's even a part of their color no. scheme. Or, or, or the yellow. gold or yellow, yeah. whatever it is. So weird. Boy, it's so nice strange. nice to hear that from somebody that's not an Iowa fan because Iowa fans are just absolutely perplexed by it. It's just so stupid. And I cannot believe that they get a New Year's Six win over Oregon. Oregon was ass. That team was four turnovers. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah. I mean, it, dude, they didn't even win their own division they get gifted into the pac-12 championship they beat a depleted usc team and get into a bowl that that might be dead serious oregon as far if you take group of five teams off the menu that's the worst power five team to make a new year six bowl yeah it might be they were that bad it 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 had to be and they had opt-outs too even even guys that were you know upperclassmen didn't even play Wow. Weird. All right. I am Jeffrey the Green. I'm Big Kurt. This is the Eyes on Big Podcast. We will talk to you soon.